0: This week marked the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. And generally speaking, when it comes to the Earth, what we observe is only part of the story. The forests, the meadows, the mountains, and lakes, they all appear to be the same day to day, even though we know that there are micro changes happening constantly. It's hard to see them science definitely tells us a different story about the day-to-day adaptations and changes. And basically it's a matter of scale. I mean these changes that are imperceptible to the eye occur very slowly over long periods of time and they, this time exceeds the lifespan of any one person. Of course we detect seasonal changes and cyclical changes. But even these are not precise. I've noticed here in Colorado that the onset of spring doesn't seem to mean anything when it comes to snow. And one of the challenges of this pandemic that we're all living through is how quickly things changed for people there was a rapid and dramatic change. It seemed like it happened overnight with very little to no warning. And it turns out that this rapid and dramatic change in human activity also had a rapid and dramatic change and impact on the environment. Now data is still being collected, but I'm guessing that many of you have seen the photos released by NASA satellites that are showing light pollution and changes in um, gases in the atmosphere. We're also seeing pictures of visible evidence of mountains and skylines suddenly coming into view. And waterways that appear to be cleaner. This is throughout the world not just here in the United States, pictures from Italy and India and China, as well as some of the major cities. Some are calling these resurrection stories. And I can see why there would be an element of resurrection that comes to mind. It certainly is a change and a way of now seeing the world a little bit differently and not just seeing the world differently or the atmosphere or creation differently, but our impact on it. And so rather than looking at one particular story this morning, because we've been looking at resurrection stories, I decided that instead to look at patterns. You know, the pattern of life emerging from death is a fundamental pattern throughout all of Scripture. And this pattern also speaks to our creation stories in Genesis, where life emerges from a formless void. And dating all the way back to those creation stories, and please don't hear this as science, this is not intended to be science, but yet it is a formative story that still tells us something about life. One of the first things that happens is a separation of the earth and the heavens, or the earth and sky. Of course, the first thing is light, let there be light in this story, in one of our stories. But then there is this dome that separates the earth and the sky. And then below the waters are gathered so that dry land can appear. And then species of all different forms and types. And lights of all different forms and lights. And then people. We've joked before that um, John Dominic Crossan says that you know people are not the capstone of creation. They were created on a Friday afternoon and nobody does their best work on Friday afternoons. That made more sense probably when you were going to the office each day for those who went to the office. But for now, it's hard to tell when our best work is being done. But I think what struck me in looking at this story today and all week in light of Earth Week and in light of Resurrection, and even in light of the story that was going to be shared from Luke 24, was the possibility of creation as an elder, as an ancestor of faith, as a teacher, and even as a prophet. Perhaps you've thought of that, but it's a new thought for me to consider creation as a prophet. It's true that in scripture, oftentimes creation or elements of creation serve as characters in a story. But I'm talking about creation as declaring a message of God. Looking at the earth as a prophet and a teacher I began to consider what, what attributes and what features, or what's the message, even, of this prophet for today and for this time. And four things rose to the surface. The first is, and I'll just name all four and then we'll go through them a little bit. First one is that the Earth is authentic. Nature is authentic. Nature is resilient. Nature is generous. And nature is impermanent. So what do these four things say to us? And what is God saying to us through the gift of creation about these things? so you've you've heard this before if you've tuned in on a weekly basis presume when it comes to authenticity you know a tree is a tree a bird is a bird a flower is a flower a tree cannot wake up one morning and say i'd like to be the grass today the authenticity of nature teaches us to be where you are and to be who you are And don't force or dwell or attach too firmly in the striving to be something else. A rock sitting in a stream cannot decide to stay dry one day or to remove itself from the stream. It is what it is, it is where it is. And I think we are always asked to be authentic. And so in these days of sheltering in place or staying at home or living much differently, you don't have to be optimistic. You don't have to be pessimistic. You don't have to find a silver lining. Just be where you are. And recognize that where we are and how we feel changes and has the capacity to change from moment to moment. I used to say to people, have a great day, unless you've made plans to the contrary. And I think what authenticity teaches us is to not make plans about how we're going to feel. Because over time, that can have an erosion effect on our spirits. And if we allow ourselves to feel it, it has the capacity to change and to move away. Even the darkest skies eventually clear. Even the fog that settled over major cities has now dissipated. Resiliency. The message of resiliency is that we can withstand or recover from difficult conditions. Perhaps what you're seeing of the images of the Earth now are showing you what resiliency is about. It's basically the capacity to move through disturbance and still function. Think about the waterways, the changes in air pollution, Think about the effect of forest fires and how, years later, the surface of the forest begins to bring forth new life. Consider how a late frost or a snowstorm can affect a harvest for a season, but not for all time. And as we learned this morning, We will soon find out how resilient our office plants are that have not been watered for over a week. These are lessons we see in nature all the time. You've seen it in the crocuses and the daffodils and in the tulips. When it comes to people, Brene Brown, I know she's a favorite author of many of you, she spent many hours interviewing to see what resilient people have in common. And it came down to a tolerance for discomfort. We've spoken here often about how discomfort can be a portal to learning and to growing and to healing. It's also an invitation to resiliency, to tolerate it. I think resiliency is about remembering the hard things that you've been through in the past. Or just telling yourself that you can do this hard thing. And that's a song by Carrie Newcomer. It came to my mind this morning as I was writing some of this up. You can do this hard thing. It's not easy, I know, but I believe that it's so. You can do this hard thing. Generosity is another proclamation of creation. And I'm going to return again to the words of Pope Francis that were used earlier in our gathering prayer. This is what he wrote about generosity. Rivers do not drink their own water. Trees do not eat their own fruit. The sun does not shine on itself, and flowers do not spread their fragrance for themselves. Living for others is a rule of nature. We are all born to help each other, no matter how difficult it is. Life is good when you are happy but much better when others are happy because of you. We are seeing tremendous generosity in these days, including folks who are staying home. I'm going to read you an email that I got this week from an 82-year-old woman. She wrote, I am doing well. As an 82-year-old living on my own, I am conscious of my vulnerabilities as well as my lack of abilities to be out there volunteering. There is a huge spike in volunteerism. Social distancing, she says, frustrating as it may be, is the greatest gift I can now give to others in my community. It's very generous for people who are mobile and have the means to stay where they are. It's also very generous for people to be making large contributions and small contributions financially and in person. Even this week in a backyard conversation with some community members, I was reminded, I've been well aware of a need and an interest in a haircut, but. But what I learned was that, and I didn't have an appointment, but this one person did have an appointment, and instead of going to the appointment, which was not an option, she sent the money that it would have cost to have a haircut to the hairdresser. And it turned out that that had a tremendous impact because it allowed her to keep her phone on for another month. We have no idea of the challenges that people live through in this kind of thoughtfulness. This kind of generosity is really making a huge impact. The last one is impermanence. There's a saying that says, no one ever steps in the same river twice, for it's not the same river and they are not the same person. Again, those micro changes that are not visible to the human eye. In the Buddhist tradition they say, it's not impermanence that makes us suffer. What makes us suffer is wanting things to be permanent when they are not. That's the clinging and the longing for the way things used to be, which is very normal and has its time and place, but which also has to be released. There was a chant that I learned on one of my retreats a few years ago. All things are impermanent, they arise and they pass away. To be in harmony with this truth brings peace. In a U.S. culture that typically fears impermanence, it shows up as fearing death and fearing or not liking change consider and learn about other cultures that celebrate death as a transition, as a way of helping to shift thinking about impermanence. It has been said that an Eastern monarch once charged the wise ones to invent a sentence that would be true and appropriate in all times and situations. Well, the wise ones rose to the occasion and they came back with and this too shall pass away. This too shall pass. And it's not that we will be different when it's over. We already are different. So allow yourself to be authentic, to be where you are and to be who you are. Remember your capacity for resiliency. You can do this hard thing It's not easy, I know, but I believe that it's so. You can do this hard thing. And remember to be generous, because life is good when you're happy, but much better when others are happy because of you. And we'll do this together.